are Locked On, Locked On, Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, but I'm going to skip to. I think you might be right on La La Land, and it's the second week in a row we're bringing up whoa, La La Land. Hold on. And if you had two weeks You've in seen a row, it. no, I've not seen it. <laughs> but. It's got all the momentum. I think it's an unstoppable force. Well, of course, it, it's about Hollywood. That's what I keep I know, screaming about. I know your theory. That's what I'm about to g- completely peek my What's mic out about. Way? Is all that? Right. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Anyway, right. uh, holding down the left block, he covers the Hornets for ESPN Charlotte and doesn't uh, watch movies apparently or listen to our morning show. So that's that's cool. right. Uh, <laughs> Justin Thomas, what's going on, my man? Uh, that is not true. That is not. <laughs> that is a. That is a <laughs> alternative also, fact. I'm just trying to get through this week, man, because I'm ready to fly to Houston Thursday morning for these festivities for the Super Bowl. So. What? Oh, you're going to the Super Bowl? I am, man. I am. So Even I'm Did you buy there. that in anticipation of the Cowboys? Uh, thankfully, I didn't have to buy it. Um, Even better. I just kind of know some people. Wow. So, oh, okay. Um, you know, we're just going to go out there and have a really okay. good time. James Harden? Is that who you, you uh, know, James? You, I wish. Jay I can't Harden? tell that lie. I wish. <laughs> Call him Jay Harden? Uh, just one of the friends I went to high school with. He plays for the Texans, so oh, he's cool. like, you know, we can no go out there and have a good time. All right. So. Name drop. Yeah, I was hoping the Cowboys would be there, but and uh, the Royal Rumble was what two nights ago? Sure, yeah, dropping our sweet chin music on this show. It's Captain Kurt. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we finally got her a camera and a microphone. It's the one, the only. She'll be on later with the showdown, Calamity James. Let's see it. Let's see the No, let's see the new camera. I want to see the... Yeah. We only got a there flash. She there, goes. Goes. there she is. There she is. Calamity James. Everybody's getting camera. You get a camera. And you, you get, get a, a camera. camera. You. Everybody right. loves a little FaceTime. Alright, we've got a great show ahead. NBA writer, basketball, Twitter professional, all-around smart basketball guy. We call him SBGs. Oliver Maroney will join us in a few minutes. We're going to go all around the league with him plus our thoughts and Oliver's thoughts on the LeBron James Charles Barkley mess and I guarantee you Oliver is not going to take the take that you think he may take I've already seen I've already had a preview of this on his Twitter account and of course we have our question of the show but before any of that let's step back and hit on some things we liked and didn't like about the last week of Hornets action we call it the step back three All right, three things, uh, one from each of us. David, what you got? Not a lot to like last week, dudes. Uh, yeah. Slim picking, so I picked something that was horrible all around. <laughs> um, and this is a callback for me last week. This was a call that was not made on okay. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I pushed. But then a day obvious, ago, and then the that NBA, was you know they, we, you talk about that call, but there's a second one there too. It was I an all-out disaster. Foul. But the call we're referring to is Melo should have been called for a foul on yeah, Marvin Williams. We're going to see it again. Don't going worry. after this ball was not called in the game. But then the NBA was nice enough to put it in their two-minute report and say, oh, yeah, we should have called that. And that one, too. Again, Kimba, I thought, got pushed on that one as well, trying to recover. They did you know, try to get back uh, on defense. And look, the Hornets need some help from the referees. I mean, well, because when you're – no, and I don't – I mean that because they are making small mistakes that are le- – and small turnovers like yeah. that that lead to points. And but, when you don't get help from the referees either, it can make it really difficult to win close games. And that's what the Hornets are playing right now. Right. To make it worse, of course, it led to a three and a close game. The Hornets lose by three. So thanks a lot for clarifying that. That should have been called, and it wasn't. Doesn't do anyone any good. 
All right, Justin, what you got? What are you What are you stepping back to this week? I usually like to think of myself as the positive one, but <laughs> last week there weren't many positives, and my take won't be positive. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Doug. Do you would you would you ha- would we happen to have video of uh, Frank's airball? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think we need to. I don't mm. think we need to See, relive. Uh, that was a tough shot. I'll do the imitation answer? of the airball for you. Uh-huh. Let's get it. Oh, okay. See that those right. two answers. Well, we said we asked this this morning. I'd like to ask you because Kimba said after the game, you know, he made the right play. They play Portland. The to, right basketball play. The right basketball yep. play to get yep. the you know to go under the basket a few seconds left to get the ball to kick the ball out to Frank Kaminsky for the three. If he gets that opportunity tonight, if it's close in Portland, he takes that shot, right? Uh, he, he, I think we think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I absolutely. I, I here's and and honestly, I, I know it would have been a tough shot. It's the same thing when when Marco bounced it off the guy's back in Detroit and it didn't go to Kemba. Kemba would have had a tough shot had he caught that ball and had to get it up very quickly. But honestly, I'd rather see Kemba take a tough shot and miss Yes, th- sometimes than, than give that ball up. It is. It yeah, is. that's what it was designed for, too. I mean, Kemba was not designed, I don't think. That was an option off that play, right? They wanted yeah. to give Kemba the first shot, the first look at it. They pushed him too far under the basket. He made the right basketball play because – Okay, yeah. Oh, so, so we have another oh new feature. God, we have another that. new feature on the show. We can go out to the interwebs. Uh, <laughs> don't no, don't worry. Uh, let's see. I, I think I can get this uh, from mine as well. Uh, let's see. I can't do any of this high tech stuff. All right, we'll pull this up. Here we go. Here oh. we go. We've got it. Oh yeah, guys, look at this. All right, so this is the this is the play that Justin is referring to. Kemba kicking it out, and it goes man. Back. It just short armed it, man. And you know, it it's just... it's. I feel like it. This has been the narrative. Of the Hornets all season, that they've been short arming, that they yeah. play up and down, they get you emotionally invested. They have a chance to win late, and they get opportunities like this to win, and they come up short. It's the same thing that happened in Boston. Uh, Stephanie Reddy had asked Clifford, "Hey Clifford, what do you think about down the stretches? We got open looks, yeah. We did not make the plays. Boston made the plays, and now you have it. The Hornets are below five hundred, eighth and." Nobody's happy. Well, ironically, where does Frank usually miss those? They're long. And that was like a foot short. Short. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of tells you something, too. It was in his head. He, he knew that was a, a game winner. I mean, he was wide. Oh, my God. Right. He was wide open. All right. So I, I <laughs> uh, so let's step back to my step back. Can we pull that up? I don't have a – I forgot my mouse. There we go. All right. So we're going to listen to this first. Yeah, I had to get the EC call in there, but um, I'm stepping back to Spencer Hawes and his blocking ability in these past two games. Of course, he's getting more playing time with Cody Zeller out of the game, um, but uh, Spencer Hawes, three blocks in the past two games. He's not one known for his rim protection, He's not, but he's stepping up, contributing in that regard, and I, I think he's, you know, that this team, this Hornets team, Needs any little bit of physicality, any little extra bit of effort and physicality that they can get, and I think Spencer Hawes over the past few games has, you know, in Cody Zeller's absence, has been able to display that. Two blocks against New York, one, and that was a major block. That one it in Sacramento was, was a, a critical situation in the fourth quarter. That's how Spencer's been all year in stretches, limited stretches. He yep. can provide some quality <laughs> minutes for you. I mean, he's a veteran. He knows what to do. They're just not going to depend on him. You know, for long stretches and over periods of time. And, you know, you wish you could see him do this with the second unit. 
Like, you know, have have that second unit mm. get something going. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. It's either one player here, somebody's injured, they look awful, there's another player. Like, there hadn't been any continuity yet to where collectively those five play well together. All right, time to ask you our question of the week that we'll get to a little later in the show each week. We ask you that question. Send us your response on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, or if you're joining us live here on YouTube, you can chat with us live. Answer this question, or if you have your own question, we've got Oliver Maroney coming up. Hawes was we've already got Mark on it. How? But Hawes was going after Cousins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You need uh, you need somebody's going to be a rough ride out there. Right. Uh, all right. So here's our here's our question of the show. If the Hornets decide to hit the trade market, that's what all of the discussion is about right now. Trade market. If they try to hit this trade market to save the season, should they make the small move or should they go for the big splash? Now, I know this morning you and I talked about two big splash opportunities in Serge Ibaka or possibly even going after Brooke Lopez in in Brooklyn because both of those players uh, have been put on the market. So we want to know what you think on youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets or or on Twitter at locked on Hornets. Let us know what you think. And we've also we've got a poll up um on our Twitter, Captain Kurt, if you can get that pulled up at some point, we'll get to that too. We've got a, a Twitter poll on what you guys think the Hornets should do. Should they make the small move or should they make uh, the big move? But first, we have to go out to the Locked On Hornets li- uh, line, joined by a very special guest here live on the show, NBA writer, NBA insider, NBA analyst, all-around SBG smart basketball guy, Oliver Maroney. Oliver, welcome. First time on the show. Glad to have you. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Well, tell us about yourself, Oliver. Since it's your first time on the show, we got we got to get to know you first. We're going to buy you dinner, and then we'll get into this interview. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm from Portland, so uh, I'm out here uh, in Trailblazer land, I guess you could say. So we've, you know, you guys have a couple of our former players, but uh, I've covered the NBA for about five years now. I was recently with Basketball Insiders for about a year and uh, just left and. I'm kind of reassessing my options and, and what I'm going to do. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much a little bit about me. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking more, uh, obviously, Hornets and other great topics around the NBA. Now, this is a good get-to-know-you question, Oliver. Do you have a secret basketball crush, like for ex- one that you wouldn't tell most people or really write about? Mine's Solomon Hill. Like I have a secret basketball crush on Solomon Hill. doesn't have to be rational. doesn't have to make sense. But do you have a secret basketball crush? I've got quite a few. I think my, my <laughs> most, I mean, I think the, the biggest one is probably, uh, if I was to go with anyone, actually I've got, I've got, well, Wes Matthews would probably be my, my secret basketball one. crush. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Really, he yeah. was in Portland for a little while. He you got was a good in Portland look at for him. a little while. Yeah, no, I just I, like the way he plays something about it. All right. Well, uh, so we, is your home, t- so did you grow up in Portland? Is your hometown team, the trailblazers, or do you have another hometown team? Well, I, yeah, I grew up in Portland. I'm not really a fan of the Trailblazers. I stay in touch with the Trailblazers. Sure. I help Trailblazer fans be realistic about what their options are. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's about as much as I do as far as Trailblazers go. I go to as many games as I can, though. Well, I guess we should start off with Nick Batum's since you got a good look at him in Portland. Um, we've He's had a good season. He's, you know, making all-around moves for the Hornets, but he's 
at different points in the season, struggled to take on that aggressive scoring role that I think a lot of Hornets fans want him to uh, because, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, because A, the Hornets and Kimba Walker need that scoring help, but also because there is this perception uh, due to his uh, contract. Uh, what, what's your sense of Nick Batum's performance this year, uh, both offensively and defensively? I love what Nick Batum brings, and I think it's very, very uh, – it's hard for me to understand, I guess, most NBA fans, it mm-hmm. seems like they're very unappreciative of what he does. It's very, it used to be very inconsistent, and fans used to bash him for being you know, inconsistent on the offensive end of the floor. But he's still, to me, uh, you, know, you can basically play him one through five defensively on basically anyone. Uh, and he, he's just very versatile. I mean, you just want a guy like that on your team, especially with where, way, the way the NBA is going right now. I, I just really appreciate both sides of the game that he plays. And it's very valuable for this Hornets team. And, I, I, you know, like when you talk about trades, and I, I, I heard you guys earlier about do you make just the small trade or do you make the big trade? I, you know, I think, you know, a guy like Nick Batum is invaluable to this team. I don't think you get rid of a guy like that. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Oliver, David Walker here. We were talking about the Blazers earlier this morning, and, and of course, you know the, the Hornets and the Blazers played last week in, in Charlotte, but I think that the Rose Garden there has one of the best home court advantages and fans in the NBA. I mean, that's a different team at home, is it not? It is, no, no doubt about it, no question. And, uh, you know, the fans really get behind this team no matter what. Obviously, this season hasn't been what they expected it to be, and uh, you know, hopefully they, they can figure it out and, you know, maybe they make a move here. I have no idea, but, you know, the, the team overall definitely succeeds when they're at home. <laughs> and and just to follow up on that, there's been a lot of talk about McCollum and, of course, Damian Lillard. And, and surprisingly, at least to me, it's like, can they coexist? Are you going to build the team around those two? And it's weird to say that about, like, one of the best young point guard or, <laughs> or backcourts in the NBA. What's the overall feeling, I mean, from your perspective and kind of out there, do people want to kind of stick with that? I mean, I'd be inclined to do that because they're so exciting to watch. But I get the other side of that. It's like, how far can you go with those two? It seems like a weird sort of balance there. Yeah, it's interesting. Most fans, at least in Portland, believe they can coexist. Yeah. There are the few fans that say, look, well, they just, you know, they, they're not really, it's, it's, they don't really play off of each other as well as you'd like to see. Uh, but that being said, I mean, when you have one of the best backcourts in the league, I'd be inclined to keep them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, you know, what else is out there for a small market team? All you can do is make trades. Uh, or potentially draft someone. That's really the only way that you can make moves. I mean, the free agency market, unfortunately, it's usually backlogged with either the top-tier teams or the teams that are in big markets, and that's just kind of the way it's been in the NBA for a while now. So, you know, and I'm on the other side of the spectrum of, like, you know, if you're in the playoffs or you have talented players and you feel like they're going to get you close enough, uh, I think you always want to be on – I guess the less riskier side of things and not try and make a move to make a difference. Right. Uh, and you know, I, you know, I'm hesitant to make a move with those guys just because, like I said, one of the best backcourts in the league, they're still very young. They've got a lot of potential and the maturity and leadership off the floor and on the floor, uh, is very key to this Blazers team's success. And I think if, if anything, this point in the season right now, where you have Carmelo Anthony possibly available and, and several other players, that that could be available to move in the near future. You just never know what opportunities are going to present themselves in the seasons to come. So to make a move, especially with a 
a you know an absolute star in Damian Lillard or an absolute star in CJ McCollum would seem like a fool's errand. Um, you know, because you could you you have those two guys, you have that foundation that you could possibly bring someone into. Most definitely, yeah. And you and you look at the situation. Um, it, it, it's it, unfortunately they are not in a winning situation right now, but mm-hmm. I think they can get back to that. The the real problem is actually, I mean, most fans, the way I hear it, is the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, CJ isn't an excellent defender. Dame is definitely not an excellent defender, unfortunately. And so you pair those two together in a backcourt-driven league where offense is key, you know, and you see guys like Curry and uh, even like the Eric Bledsoe's, the DeRozan's, the Lowry's, the all the great guards that you have in the league right now. Um, it's tough to win ball games when your backcourt can't defend. So I do see that side of the coin. And, you know, if, a, if an opportunity arose for the Blazers to potentially upgrade either their backcourt defensively or potentially get a rim protector that could alleviate some of that backcourt pain, then maybe you go out and do something. Oliver, Justin Thomas here. Um, I was seeing that we've been talking about the Portland backcourt. There's a backcourt in the East that proclaim themselves to be the best backcourt in the NBA. <laughs> so with that being said, which backcourt are you taking? Washington or Portland? Or maybe there's another uh, one out know, there. Or another <laughs> one that we didn't mention. I'd actually I'd actually lean on Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, quite frankly. Oh, uh, I know that people like to say I know that like people like to say Stephen Clay, you know, back in, you know, last year and the year before. Uh, that's kind of you know, turned down just a little bit because of the Kevin Durant move, they could still possibly be the best if Durant wasn't there. So that would be a potential opportunity. But I think, you know, you look at the other backcourts around the league, I think Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are right up there at the top. Wall and Beal, while they've been good as of late, you've seen kind of the problems and the, the ego problems that they mm-hmm. have in Washington. So I, I'd be skeptical to to have those two on my team at the same time. And then Lillard and McCollum, they have their issues as well. Like I said, defensively, they're just not there. But offensively, they're, they're one of the best to watch. Let's, uh, well, let's stay in the Eastern Conference. Are you more surprised by the Toronto Raptors and their struggles, or are you more surprised by the Cleveland Cavaliers and their struggles? I think I'm more surprised by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and you know, Toronto, we were – I think everybody was basically waiting for them to fall back down just a little bit to earth. And and that's something that happens in the NBA a lot, but with this Cleveland Cavaliers team, after they beat the Warriors on Christmas day and, you know, they were riding on a very big high and everybody assumed, you know, Hey, this team is going to be able to compete against the Warriors again. And, uh, you know, LeBron's comments are a little bit scary to me. Obviously he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You don't have to really question you know, him on the court. But uh, I do think some of the off the court stuff that has happened in recent weeks is kind of drawing attention, negative attention to them. And uh, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a good look. And that's probably the most shocking thing, because uh, LeBron is a pretty stand up guy and character outside of, you know, basketball. And interesting to hear him kind of with some of the words about Barkley, as well as just like the team needing another playmaker when they've already have, you know, quite possibly one of the best teams constructed in history besides this Golden State Warriors team. <laughs> yeah, we're going well, we're going to run down some of your thoughts on that as well. We've got a segment coming up called You Okay with That? And that's going to be one of the topics. So we're going to dive deeper into that here in a few minutes, Oliver. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you about the Washington Wizards as well. They are starting to figure things out after struggling mightily 
uh, under new coach Scott Brooks. I think there were some questions about whether Brooks really had a handle on that situation in Washington with Beal and Wall, but they figure some they figured some things out now and are making their run. They sit right now in fifth in the Eastern Conference, but they're poised to keep moving. Is do you think that this movement for the Washington Wizards is real? Or do you think that it's it's a little bit pyrrhic that they're going to fall back eventually? Uh, I think they will fall back just a little bit. Now, they are a very good backcourt. They're extremely talented. I love Beal as a player. I think that he has some excellent tools to be one of the greatest shooters in the NBA or potentially in NBA history if he could actually get a streak going uh, just because of the mechanics and the way he shoots the ball so quickly. Um, but, you know, the, the problems are known. Wall and Beal don't really like each other. Now, they're not going to go out into the, you know, outside the locker room and, and fight each other or something, but they just don't really like each other. And you've heard the comments outside and uh, the rumors there. And I, I don't know if you can necessarily like while it's winning, winning cures everything. Uh, once they start losing games again, I think that kind of creeps up and, and I'd be skeptical and a little bit worried of this Washington backcourt just because of that. Now the rest of the team's pretty good. And Scott Brooks has done an excellent job. I think of managing what he's been able to manage um, so I've been very impressed with what, what they've been able to accomplish just in the past month or so. It's just, uh, it's shocking to me that you could turn a season around so quickly, but that is the NBA. And this team I think is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde in that sense. Well, that's good news for the Hornets because they're going to have to make their own run. And if, <laughs> if teams like Washington, Atlanta, Boston, if they start locking their positions in, in the Eastern conference, then it could be very tough for the Hornets to get a decent matchup in the Eastern conference playoffs. But first they have to, they have to make it. They yeah. have to make it first. Yeah. Hey, the Hornets have the Warriors coming up uh, tomorrow night. Uh, what's your take on how they've integrated Kevin Durant onto this team seem to be doing all right pretty good it seemed to be doing all right i just want to know what oliver thinks see i already knew i already knew what david was going to do to me right there but i just want to know you know you you pay close attention to these things uh what how is uh how how well are they doing with it uh as well as you could possibly do that's six months into your team it's just i'm i'm actually astonished quite frankly uh-huh, yeah. i really thought that this would be a struggle to begin with look at these guys steph and clay uh, they've been the, the number one and number two options and getting a ton of touches on the ball and having incredible games and uh, the MVP seasons and credit to them because, uh, you know, Durant's a great player. Don't get me wrong. And he's doing excellent things in Golden State. His defensive effort has been incredible. But for the the two others, Clay and Steph, taking a backseat like that is not I, I, I can only imagine taking a backseat as an MVP uh, and and saying, yeah, you can go ahead and run ship on this. So. I've been very impressed. It's almost been seamless, quite frankly. I mean, uh, the team almost is running just as well, if not better, than what they were last year. And you look, they were a, a record-setting team. So yeah. they've been playing very well. They just look like they've meshed very, very well. And it, even the bench, I mean, I thought the bench would be kind of an issue to start out with, and it hasn't been. Yeah, I think they did have a little uh, stumbling out of the gate, but most people thought it would last like two months, and it lasted like two weeks. Um, but it goes to the credit of all those guys, and I think Kerr and that coaching staff. I mean, I'm just a huge yes. fan of Kerr and what he's done with the culture of that team, the buy-in from the players. Like Everybody is on the same page all the time, and you saw it last year when Luke Walton came in. They didn't miss a beat. Yeah. Uh, Durant comes in. They, they they really don't miss a beat, so it's like that is just the, the that is what the the ideal that that teams are looking to right now for good reason. I mean, the run that they're on and the run that they could potentially be on. I mean, I think that's half the reason why LeBron's freaking out right now. He sees how well this is going. I mean, you know, and he knows what happened last year 
3-1. Like, that stuff is not likely. Um, and if they keep on this run, I mean, they could keep going for a couple years. Oliver, they so the only, re- the only reason, or there were a variety of reasons that the Golden State Warriors lost the championship, uh, but one of them was this sort of Achilles heel that, that came a little out of nowhere in Draymond Green and and not being able to control his body and, and, and missing that finals game. Do you see any kind of Achilles heel that could keep uh, the Warriors out of the finals or, or miss a chance to, to get their second uh, finals championship? I think there is definitely um, anytime they seem to face a, you know, a fair enough backcourt to where Curry and Clay Thompson have to do work on the outside defensively. And then, they also have a significant um, presence in the post or in the paint. Uh, Those two things seem to cause the Warriors problems at times. Now, not all the time, obviously, and you've seen them win most of the games, but I I take it like a team like Houston. Uh, James Harden is able to, you know, command double and triple teams. He's that good. And he found open guys and, and made the Warriors work on defense and the offense just didn't come as good. And, and maybe that's because they were on, you know, less rest or they weren't ready to play. You know, the NBA is 82 games. It's a long time. It's a long season. But at the same token, you look at some of the things that that Houston was able to accomplish against them. Uh, and I am a little bit worried and skeptical that, you know, when given a Kyrie Irving kind of outing where he goes for 30 points, and you have Tristan Thompson banging in the post uh, that they may not have an answer necessarily to to getting those two guys um, kind of defended properly and having the offense going because you know part of the NBA also is just kind of equaling out your defense and offense and that's something that a lot of teams have struggles with uh, especially when you're playing against star players that really give give their all on offense like a James Harden uh, it's very hard to start you know going back on the other end and playing offense on your own uh, with your own ball. <laughs> Oliver, I was on your uh, timeline today, and you mentioned uh, one <laughs> he was of, creeping uh, on you, Oliver. Uh, my oh, guy, James Harden, and you had a passing thread. And we talk about <laughs> Russell Westbrook, we talk about Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and LeBron, of all these superstars. But James Harden is having a phenomenal year. Do you ever get the sense that of the superstars in this league, that James Harden is is underappreciated? Very underappreciated. I actually wrote about this this summer. Um, <laughs> don't, don't fist pump. He just fist pump. <laughs> Oliver, you can't see this man right now, but he's caping. He's caping hard. Oh, man. Well, look, I, I wrote an article about James Harden in the summer, and I, I talked about, you know, basically how much he was knocked um, last season and what happened, you know, in that locker room and, and just the whole kind of shebang down there in Houston land. And, I just think, uh, you know, what he does offensively is so unique and so different from what whatever we've seen previous to it because he can score like Kobe Bryant um, and, and he can go off for 30 or 35 or 40 or as we've seen 50. Um, but at the same token, his playmaking ability is almost at the level, if not higher than a guy like Steve Nash. And, you know, he finds open guys all the time and you're just I, I'm left questioning myself, like, how, how did he do that? How did you know? And when guys do that, you're you're witnessing something that's different from anything else that you've seen. So I uh, I find him very underappreciated in the NBA. And I think people, you know, they've got the connotation of him being a flopper, the shacked in a fool highlights. And, and that kind of I think that just, uh, you know, strayed fans the wrong way uh, with with a guy like Harden. And look, flopping is part of the game now. Uh, I'm not I'm not one to say that I want to see that. But at the same token, uh, I think guys get fouled enough. Uh, when they don't get called that, you know, 
if you want to create a little extra contact or if you want to try and um, elaborate on a few different offensive plays to get a foul, then, I, you know, I don't find it too much of a problem as long as it's not blatantly obvious. All right, let's shift gears. One last question, and then we're going to get to this uh, you okay with that segment. Um, the trade market. We're going to be talking about it. It's our question of the show for for the the Hornets, and we've got the poll up on the screen right now. Should the Hornets make a small move? Should they make a big splash? I think part of the problem with making a big splash is that the trade market is very clogged up right now. I mean, not, there haven't been a lot of really even trade rumors uh, that you normally <laughs> see around this time of year. What do you attribute that to, Oliver? Why why is the trade market so quiet right now? Well, I think a lot of teams are waiting until after the All-Star break to make moves. And, and there's, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, obviously, it gives you a break from just the season and all the calls that are going on. But I think, you know, the players that are out there, they're hard. You know, Paul Millsap's on the trade market, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, he's there. Mm -hmm. And he's on his last year of his contract. So the question is, do you make a big enough move or a big enough splash to get a guy like that who could potentially leave after the season? And you see guys like I know, Mason Plumlee in Portland. Um, let's see. I mean, there's obviously Boogie Cousins. All these guys are very close to the end of their contracts. And that's where it gets a little dicey and tricky because you're moving potentially guys for the future to get something that is for the now and just for the next six months, potentially, if he decides to leave after that. So I think there's a lot of hesitancy right now, but I think uh, as it gets closer to the trade deadline, I think we're going to start to see some rumblings. And once one falls, I think there's going to be a lot of more, a lot more dominoes that end up falling after that. You make such a great point there, Oliver, that, that teams are less willing to take on that final year of the expiring contract because they don't need to because there is so much more money opening up in the offseason. And because of that money opening up, a lot of teams can can make bids on players. And so it's going to be tougher to convince that guy uh, to stick around for one more for one more season or, or you know, to extend that contract further. Mm -hmm. OK, it's time to do uh, one of our favorite games here on the show. It's called You OK With That? We're, we're talking about Hornets and NBA controversies, and, and we ask a simple question. I even I, I made some boards here, guys, for you for you two gentlemen, for a thumbs oh. up, thumbs down. I feel like I'm signing executive say, order. And we'll we'll ask right. Oliver's the guest, and we treat our guest well, so we'll ask him first, but you guys have the boards to let us know what you think as well. All right, first topic. It's uh, This happened uh, a couple of days ago. The Warriors were in town here in Charlotte to play – uh, the Hornets, and uh, also in town, Steph Curry, native son to Charlotte, and there were a lot of Warriors fans in the crowd and a lot of Hornets fans that were cheering loudly uh, for Steph Curry. Whenever he hit a bomb three, uh, the crowd went wild as if it was the home team. Uh, is this fair or foul? I'll ask the question to Oliver first. You okay with the home team crowd cheering for the visiting player? Oh, I'm totally fine with it. This is this is an exception. I, I don't yep. think it's a big problem. I think if you have you know the bandwagon fans, then then you start kind of questioning. You know, like yeah. the Laker fans that travel across the country. Those are the ones where when they were good, there was a lot of them. And you, yeah, how many of these are actual real fans? How many of them are you know hopping on the bandwagon for the championship run? So, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, fellas, what do you think? You okay with that? Let's see what they think. Oh, okay, we got a thumbs down and a thumbs up. I know why you think that. We talked too what? much about this, but what? why do you think this is not okay? Um, you guys watch football. Um, Cam Newton True. goes down to Atlanta. True. 
I don't think they cheer for Cam Newton. Um, I don't know. Kobe Bryant got booed in Philly. He was from Philly. That's Philly. That's I, yeah. I, I understand <laughs> Steph is. I understand Steph's a Charlotte guy, and I'm happy he's doing something positive for the city. But I mean, it, it was way too much. It, they were louder for Steph than they were for the Hornets. That's unacceptable. Well, I think ah. Charlotte. Yeah, I would. I don't know about that either because I think Charlotte's. And you mentioned football, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think some of this goes back to the Panthers and so many visiting teams fans go in there or have in the past before the Panthers got good. So there's kind of a complex here anyway. But I think a Steph's from Charlotte, and b uh, you know up until last year people were talking about him as the best player on the planet. And he's a guy that a lot of kids relate to. He's still one of the best players on the planet. And it's no different than when Michael Jordan came here uh, to visit the Hornets in the 80s. People were cheering for him at that time, too. I was one of them. So I was in the crowd with an, with an MJ jersey on because I had grown up uh, you know, following the Bulls. Now, of course, if Steph's not there, the Warriors are not going to have these fans in the crowd. But it is an, it, uh, a little bit of an exception. But I think the NBA is a superstar league. You're going to have that. They have that crowd wherever they go. And they're going to be a little bit bigger in Charlotte, in my eyes, for Steph. All right, Most definitely. Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> I got one thing. One thing to add go to ahead. that too, Kurt. So you got to think about this too. And I'm not saying that this is this is the far fetched long shot idea, but at the same token, if Curry's coming to Charlotte and he's getting booed, do you think there's any chance that he even takes a meeting with the Hornets if that's the case? I'm not saying that yeah. he's going to do it. I, this is, uh, you know, this the, Oliver just hit the zero, best zero, point. One. This is the best point that if, if, if there's a chance, it's going to be, it's going to, and we say this all the time. If Curry is going to come to Charlotte, it's going to be based on emotion because Golden State can offer him uh, more opportunities for championships, more money, more years. Yeah, if he, it, yeah. It's if if it's the the statue factor. Yeah, I, Golden State may well build him a statue, but it's not a guarantee. If if he comes to Charlotte and get, brings the Hornets to an Eastern Conference Finals, they'll put a statue of him. But Oliver, don't you think this is a kind of a common thing in the NBA? I mean, we all watch a lot of NBA oh, yeah. games, and you see that. I, I feel like a lot of the backlash from this was, and not to pull like rank on on NBA status here in Charlotte, but we watch a lot. <laughs> of games and like you see it every night somewhere somebody's going crazy for an amazing star and i think some of that was maybe a little shocking to some people that may not tune into the hornets every night may not watch the nba every night like that's not a big deal i don't think all right let's yeah let's move on to the next topic uh nba players going through the media to inspire their team or well at least if we think the best of these statements we'll assume that they are trying to inspire their team to better things of course uh, LeBron James and his comments about uh, needing a playmaker and sort of trying to uh, to say that his team did not have enough talent to get to or win a NBA championship and then we have Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler in Chicago Oliver you okay with this no not at all uh, I think you leave it in the locker room. And uh, I think actually I heard this on uh, Area 21, that new Kevin yes. Garnett thing. <laughs> him and Rasheed Wallace. Him and Rasheed Wallace. Went it's back so and forth. good. They, they, it is great. It is really interesting. I mean, it's very, very awkward, too. Oh, I yeah. almost feel a little bit strange about watching it. But at the same token. What did I say? I, I thought I thought Kevin Gar- Kevin Garnett was he, he's like doing slam poetry the way he's like <laughs> the way he moves towards. He's like he moves towards the camera. And it's it's great. It's like a Buster Rhymes music video or something. I don't know. He's just like getting into my head. I don't, anyways, great. you know, I, they talked about it too. Leave it in the locker room. Discuss it in the locker room as a team. You got to, you know, it's almost the uh, outsider's way of doing it. You should be talking to your locker room. You should be telling them what to do and, and what what you're frustrated with. You don't go out to the media before you talk to your own guys. Fellas, what do we think? 
Are you okay with that? Two thumbs down. Yeah, you can go through the media, but you don't call out the other guys to me. Like, you can go through the media when everything else is not working up to a certain point, but that's just not a good look in my eyes, calling out the rest of your team. You're you're dividing the team. You're, you're separating that locker room, and that's tough to make up for in my eyes. Can I shock you guys? Can I say that it's I'm, not shocking I'm that okay. you are okay Why? With why this? is this not shocking? Why do you think this is not shocking that Come I'm okay on, with Doug. this? <sighs> Here's why I'm okay with this. Because they didn't single out a, a player. Exactly. They called out the entire team. That's what I'm saying. Team. Look, sometimes you have to extreme – circumstances nah, nah. call for extreme measure. I'm okay with what's – look, Chicago, it wasn't like they were going to handle that situation quietly and it was going to suddenly get better. I think they saw – and honestly, it had the indirect effect of some of the younger players standing up and and voicing their concerns and saying, you know, Dwayne Wade, <laughs> so practice. get your ass in practice <laughs> – and Dwayne Wade did. It opened the lines of communication. Now, did they kick in the door by going to the media? Sure. But it happened. That's a dumpster fire anyway. It is. <laughs> All three of them are petty. All right. All right. Last last one, Oliver. And this is the one you touched on earlier. Players uh, being done with NBA on TNT's shtick. Specifically, uh, well, there's two here. We've got... Charles Barkley and LeBron James going back and forth. But there's a history here, too. JaVel McGee, was, who's a regular on the show's Shacked in a Fool segment, uh, said this summer that it's just really disappointing that grown men, 50-, 40-year-olds, are having America's Funniest Home Videos of a player and then making it a hashtag and really just trying to ruin someone's career over basketball mistakes. Now we have LeBron James returning fire on Charles Barkley uh, Barkley ripped LeBron's recent comments about needing more playmakers. LeBron on Monday called Barkley, quote, a hater and said, quote, I'm not going to let him disrespect my legacy like that. This is James telling ESPN, I'm not the one who threw somebody through a window. Ding. I never spit on a kid. Ding. I never had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. Jeez. Whew. All right, uh, and they yeah. also said what makes what he says credible because he's on TV. My goodness, uh, Oliver, you okay with this? Not okay with it at all, and here's the reason I say it. Uh, media is typically out there to portray players in a good light, but there's also the negative media, and there's also you know uh, the opposite side of the spectrum, and I think that both are good in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, the way that Charles Barkley speaks on TV, we all know he's a little bit crazy. He's got a little bit of uh, colloquial antics. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not the brightest, you know, person in the room. But at the same token, I just I, uh, I can't get over the fact, like I said, that LeBron is even listening to this sort of stuff. And, and players know they get talked about all the time. Uh, and most players use it as motivation. Um, and I know LeBron probably has in the past. But coming out like this and calling a guy out, I, I just. Like I said, his job is to analyze this stuff, right. and I don't think his opinion was that far-fetched or that off from what LeBron had actually said. So, you know, I, I'm, while I'm not agreeing with Charles Barkley as the person overall in general, at the same you just you can't have LeBron coming out and saying this stuff about Charles Barkley. It, it, you know, you're doing way too much research on this guy. All right, exactly. let's just, there was a lot of sick burns there. Um, that's a sick that's burn. A sick, sick burn. burn. Uh, what, or quickly, what do you guys think? So what, what's, the, what's the question? Are you okay with – Are you okay you with, with LeBron James going after Charles Barkley? And, or, yeah, players in general being done with NBA on, TV, on TNT's shtick. Uh, I can't see it. Okay, you're not okay no. with it. J- uh, Justin is not okay. 
Uh, I'm, David, okay, I'm okay with them firing back. I'm okay with them am, talking back. I am too. And defending themselves up to a point. I think he probably went a little too far with the with the personal stuff. It's not like Barkley's never said anything personal about anybody, I don't think. But it's like, okay, first of all, LeBron clearly spent a lot of time gathering these facts. <laughs> I mean, he, facts. He, came, he came ready to spout them off like he's going through his, his greatest hits there. Um but what do you expect? Like, that's not going to be a good look, especially when you call guys out in the media like we just talked about. You're going to get some flack. Barkley and those guys are the are the, are the the top, you know, studio show in all of sports, really. So, of course, they're going to have something to say about it. I think this has been building up for a long time with LeBron, and he doesn't really clap back at people at all like this. And I think Barkley said one thing that really irritated him, which was, like, he doesn't want to compete. And I think that's probably the tipping point for LeBron. And Oliver, that's what I would that's what I would say is that I don't think he does this uh, to every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there who's covering no. the the NBA. I think honestly, I think LeBron has done so like he doesn't do this to Skip Bayless, and Bayless goes after him all the time. Right. But I think it's it's because it's Barkley. It's because it's a legend of the mm-hmm. game, and I think there's a sense that LeBron has done so much for the game. And competed yep. so hard and given his all for two different franchises now. I think a part of him goes, Can I get can I get a little credit from the guy who's been there and done that? <laughs> you know, you know He'll get credit when it's due. I, I I'm not I, you know, Charles I know has actually given him credit yeah. in, in previous times. I just I, you know, for me personally, LeBron's legacy is on the line. And I think all this stuff that you hear in the media, the I need another player or playmaker, I guess you could say. He goes to Miami and does it the way that he does it. That all is going to resonate with fans. And I think he actually obliterated most of that after he left Miami and went to Cleveland, won the championship, and it was all gone. And now, to me, I think he's just bringing back kind of past memories and things that he really shouldn't have brought up. I think it's really bad for his his PR and, you know, what he'll be known as after his career is over. Uh, depending on how many titles he wins and whatnot. So, I mean, for me, like I said, I just think ignoring it and just moving on. Uh, next question, no response. Anything of that sort, totally fine. I, I get it. And, and the- even hitting back at Charles without the personal issues, I think that's even okay to an extent. Yeah. But the weird thing, just- yeah, the weird thing, Oliver was like he didn't really respond. I mean, Charles was calling him out on yeah. on the media stuff, right? He just went straight ad hominem, and and he didn't. <laughs> He didn't really address like the LeBron's response was not a really response yeah. into what Charles said. It was more like <laughs> everything he's ever said. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Oliver, you answered every, you you did not say no comment. You answered every single one of our questions, and we really appreciate you hanging around with us uh, for a little extra time as well. Thanks so much, Oliver. Before you go though, tell everyone uh, where they can check you out at O Maroney NBA on Twitter. And you can find all my work there. A lot of my basketball insider stuff you can check out. Uh, I mean, I just recently wrote an article there last week, so I'm not out of the loop or anything, but uh, yeah, you can check out all my work there at O Maroney NBA on Twitter. And uh, I, I have some, some things lined up as well. So, all right, Oliver, hold awesome. it down on the West Coast, and uh, well, enjoy the game tonight. You'll get to watch it uh, in a ne- uh, in a normal like human mm-hmm. being time. We have to <laughs> we have to stay up till ten o'clock midnight to Ugh. finish this game. So. Ridiculous o'clock. <laughs> All right, Not thanks fun. so much, Thank Oliver. We really appreciate it. Awesome, Oliver Maroney. Check him out. Man, legend. All enjoy right, it, all right. Let's get to this question of the show real quick. All 
right, this week's question is, if the Hornets decide to hit the trade market to save this season, should they make a small move or go for the home run, try to make a big splash? It looks like big splash. Get in the pool. Oh, man. How do you guys get in the pool? You dip your toe in the water or you just go full full well, barrel? head first. Depends on when I ate last. Head first into the shallow end? All right, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it a few times. I came, out, I came out all right. I came out all right. But don't do that at home, kids. Okay, uh, we, we've got the showdown coming up, so we have to kind of move quickly through this. Uh, but going out to Mark here on the chat, uh, it says that I would love to see a wing defender for the bench, so I guess that's a small move. Yeah, I mean, the wing defenders that are available – would be available for a, a small uh, move type of situation. But I think the problem with that is uh, that, you know, they've been running Frank Kaminsky as as a wing defender when teams go small. And I think if they got a big, yeah, I think if they got a big that could defend, it could solve a lot of their wing defense issues. If mm-hmm. they had a, somebody who was a little better at, at, at rim protecting, could solve some of those wing issues. Yeah, so you're leaning more towards big splash. Well, because look, that's my thing. If you're going to do something to save the season, yeah, but then go. I'm I'm either I'm either go big splash (laughs) or no go. Does it need saving though? That's what I'm saying. Like, if you think everybody gets back, question. If if it gets back to being healthy, I still think they get into the playoffs with everyone healthy. I mean, that's just the state of the East right now. I I only don't go big move because. All right, hold on. Let me start over. I'm initially going small move. Okay. But if you can get a guy like a Lopez where you find you can get him and possibly woo him to keep him around, I say go go big move. But for now, knowing the uncertainty, I would go small. So, that's a good point. A lot of the big moves that are avail- available for the Hornets to make would be situations where they would, again, like Batum, take the risk of losing that player. And they did that in the offseason. He brought him in. They had a full training camp. They had a full season mm-hmm. to acclimate him to the culture i think that's a big key when you're trying to keep people it's much harder to do it lopez you, you would in. get one season though at least right it's much harder to do it if you have a month or two oh, so yeah, yeah. In that, in that i'm for case. the big move if you can get lopez for a year i'm for it okay that's a bad dude all right well let us know on twitter at locked on hornets you can chat with us here as well but we're going to move on it's time uh, for calamity james and the showdown taking you through uh, this week ahead in action this west coast road trip calamity What's going on? Hello, hello. Alrighty, so first things first, we do have the West Coast trip coming up. I don't know how I'm going to stay awake for all of these. I'm probably just going to DVR it and just watch them next time. Sorry. Um, anyways, first off, we have the bunch of injuries that we, uh, as a team, have kind of been struggling through throughout the entire year. It's also led to a lot of inconsistencies, and I think that that's one of the reasons why the team has been so, I guess, start and go recently. Um, so, for instance, we have Jeremy Lamb coming back, which is good, but Cody still being out is exceptionally bad because we are one in nine without him, and that's because we lose his inside presence, his aggressiveness, and the ability to draw and score uh, to draw fouls and score off the uh, free throws as well. So, um, in addition, pick and rolls usually don't run as well without him, and I do have a concern about that because versus the Blazers tonight. C.J. McCollum is actually one of the best pick-and-roll defenders I think that there is in the league. Um, He does a really good job of going out flashing, and without Cody running the seal on that defender, it's going to be an interesting interesting game. Uh, So basically pretty much every single player has been out for some 
point of time, um, save MKG and Kemba, but I'm pretty sure I just jinxed them, so oops. Next, so talking about the Hornets and Blazers tonight, uh, last time we faced them off, we won to start off a three-game win streak, which was nice, but we did have Cody Zeller, and he had 10 rebounds, which is a game high, um, and I already mentioned CJ McCollum being a fantastic pick-and-roll defender, so I just we got to see what's going to happen. Um, but I think in particular on this West Coast trip, because we're not sure when Cody comes back, if he's going to come back when we're on this trip, but... Uh, Frank and Roy really do need to step up, start being aggressive, uh, or more aggressive, I should say. And, um, yeah, just being able to step in and fill in Cody's shoes. It's not easy to do. And finally, I know that we already talked about this, but I'm going to talk about it really quick because I am petty as hell, and I love this. I am so excited about this King James versus Sir Charles thing. I the subtweet that LeBron had was hilarious, and it was spot on. Did he go a little far? Yeah, probably. But you know what? I'm here for it. And this is why I like the NBA so much. Um, so then Charles Oakley steps in, and he has something to say about Charles Barkley drinking on set, apparently, or drinking at work or something. I was just like, oh, wow, that came out of nowhere. Um, and it just basically reminded me of that time that he slapped Charles Barkley. I thought it was funny. Um, and then finally, Skip Bayless tries to come in with some sort of tweet, gets shut down by Twitter. So thank God that site is free. I love it. Um, so basically, like I said, I am petty. I love this. I didn't particularly like Charles Barkley's response either. He's just like, oh, well, he did do research. I'm like, yeah, he, he did. So anyways, I'm going to watch this. Like I'll watch the whole Derek Fisher, Matt Barnes shenanigans. I, I'm here for it. Yeah, I like uh, I, I like this King James and Charles Oakley versus Sir Charles and Skip Bayless. That sounds like the most awesome tables, ladders, and chairs match. Mm-hmm. Tag team tables, ladders, and chairs. Exactly. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's 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 put this through to WrestleMania. Forget the Royal Rumble. I don't care about that. I want to see these guys <laughs> get in the ring and rumble. Uh, no, it's just a, you know that's the thing. You could say, well, I'm against. Uh, LeBron James coming out and speaking the way he did. It may hurt his legacy. I respect that. But ultimately, I always view these things through the entertainment lens. Was this entertaining? Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, and then we'll have a response from Charles, I'm sure, on the next TNT show, I would think. Yeah, and he went on ESPN Radio. He's already had a – but he was measured in his response. Why do you think that he was measured, Justin? He didn't, he didn't uh, really go after – LeBron James. Uh, to be honest, I, I feel like Charles believes he won. And I think he did. The, to get such a calculated response from LeBron, Charles was cool. I, I don't think I don't think he really bothered. All right, me. this is the same thing we're doing with Trump, which is we're assuming that Charles Barkley had some kind of strategic no, he didn't maneuver here, and no, it's just LeBron's Charles. The, LeBron's the strategic one. In this scenario, to yeah. me, I mean, everything he does is thought out. All this stuff is thought out. I mean, you've seen it out there today that he's doing this to take away from the fact that you know he, uh, the, the team's losing, that he okay. called his teammates out, okay. you know, drawing a little attention to himself. So, I mean, Charles, what, again, I still do don't, really buy, I still don't do buy that. It's, no. it's sort of, I don't know if there's <laughs> Charles a, doesn't care, right? I still don't buy that he was being strategic. That that LeBron was being strategic either, and he, because oh, he, he was, he, I, he brought I, out his, oh, he was. His, his greatest hits. He researched. No, no, you know, <laughs> he went to go- he was googling yeah. things. Oh yeah. No, I think it's like um, Occam's razor. 
which is, you know, the the easiest uh, explanation. I don't think LeBron does anything that's not thought out. I mean, he doesn't fly off the he's cuff. Ve- he's a very calculated type of guy. Yeah. He's sensitive, I, but he's calculated. I understand, but I don't think he made – I don't think he made little, you know, points on his board about well, if you don't if think, I do wait, this, then, Doug, I'm sorry, yeah. I have to jump in here. But <laughs> Please, he literally <laughs> listed all of these are these are Andy had Andy so. had a closing line. Yeah. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> hey, didn't, didn't the man have uh, like warriors faces on his Halloween cookies? And you had to oh, step yeah. over Steph. Co- oh, that man! That man does his homework. Yeah, but. There's a okay. Yes, he did his research. He thought about what he was going to say. I'm not saying he imp- improvised his statement, but what I'm saying is, I don't. I think he was emotional about After what had happened. And but I don't, here's what I think. I don't think he calculated it to provide some distraction, like a manager, mm. you know, going out and getting ejected or something to okay. to inspire his baseball that. team. I don't think he did that because at the same time, I mean, maybe at not. the same time he's asking for more players, which would do more to demoralize. I mean, you hear Tristan Thompson saying like, "I earned my money." Like he's obviously yeah, upset LeBron by LeBron. Yeah, and now and now LeBron James or apparently the Cavaliers are hosting this it's free agent. Trip. Tryout Lance. in the middle of the season, Lance Mar. It's like it's like uh, the the Bronchler. It's like let's let's bring all these guys in here to compete for. Yeah, it's the Bronchler. Who's gonna get LeBron's rose? I think who will wa- LeBron I, marry in I the think end? Be real. I think he wanted to go back at Barkley, and if that helped take some of the distraction away from his team, that's great. Uh, he may not have done it. That would be the only reason. But I certainly think he thought this out oh, and yes. said, "Hey, I yes. got nothing to lose from this." Team-wise, this year, at least he showed a backbone for once. Jeez. Well, I, and I think more players are doing that. I think that's the most interesting thing is that you have this show on on TNT that is absolutely number one in terms of NBA studio shows, dominates what ESPN offers, and yeah. part of that domination is because you have uh, pundits on there who who you know quote unquote tell it like it is and they appeal to a certain audience that's not in the weeds on on the NBA and they don't you know they don't pour into the advanced stats and they don't necessarily they they uh love the way the NBA used to be because they have this idea of the way the NBA used to be and guys like Shaquille or guys like Shaquille O'Neal and uh and Kenny and uh Charles Barkley feed into that and you finally have this a little bit of this rub as those guys get older and they start attacking some of the younger players. And LeBron James has the clout to snap back. And I think that's why it's interesting that Charles Barkley didn't respond very strongly because I think he recognizes that at the end of the day, Charles Barkley is not bigger than LeBron James. Hey guys, sorry. Once one more. Okay. He does this probably every year around this time. So around January, usually he's talking to the media a little bit more, trying to get his guys to keep going, basically. And and I think it's you know potentially maybe he's in the middle of the season rut or whatever, and then you got to you got to do something. So this is a hundred percent calculated. I feel like he's had this plan. For All a right. while. All right. LeBron is the GM. He's the coach. He's the manager. He's yeah. the. Yeah. I mean, he yes. got his coach fired last year. <sighs> well, can we at least hope for yeah. this? The next time we get on TNT, can Charles have a drink like Oakley suggested? And can Shaq. I mean, I don't think that's ever been like too far, oh, like too far. And can, <laughs> and can Shaq tell JaVel McGee to shut the hell up? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. JaVel McGee? 
Boy, have you lost your mind? <laughs> I don't think. Do you think this is like the beginning of a player's revolt, though, of no. inside the NBA? No way. No, I, no I, what I'm saying is because the divide is getting bigger now. Charles has been away from the game for so long. I think that more and more you're going to see stars uh, because they are so far apart of what the game is now. They don't look at Charles and go in the same way that they used to. They don't look at Charles and go, well, Charles is one of us. He gets it. I think there's now a divide where it's like, well, Charles has been away from the game a little too long. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. So I, it, it's not going to be every player. Uh, right. It's going to be know. players that have a certain clout. Wait, sorry. And I love having the controls because I can just jump in yeah. whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doug loves it too. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, but, but Charles is kind of perpetuating this idea that the NBA, when he played, is so much exactly different or better. I mean, so... He's feeding why, into his own demise. This happens in to... all industries. Old dinosaurs feed into their own demise. Right. So, Instead I mean, of embracing the future... They end up uh, phasing themselves out. Well, he said out. it's worse than it's ever been. He said that for like three years in a row. I mean, that's just not true. I mean, this is no, not the worst I the do. NBA has played in three, you know, ever. Um, so that stuff is a little ridiculous. But I just think, one, it's good TV. So those guys it are is. not going anywhere. And I mean, they're, they're number one. They're top of that game. They're going to be there. So this is, I mean, let's face it, by All-Star Weekend, this could all, either all be done or or settled. I mean, I just don't get the feeling this is going to go on forever. And the difference is, like, if you like when you watch TNT, guys love coming on there to talk, to right? Them. And I think guys understand that. Oh yeah, that Charles is going to talk a little junk, but I think guys know, like, man, I grew up watching this. I love it. Braun's just so, he's just a little sensitive. Like him and Dwight. Remember Dwight went up there last year. Those are just two sensitive guys. But for most part, I think they'd be like, man, right. they're going to do that. It don't bother. But me. LeBron, that's what I'm saying. LEBRON doesn't have to take it. Like you know, LeBron just he just sensitive. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like J.R. Smith has to take it, but LeBron James doesn't have to take it. No, I mean that's why I'm okay with him. It's okay to go back yeah. at him a little bit. You say, that's hey. what I said. That's why I was okay with it. All Although right. he didn't, I mean, <laughs> I mean he didn't really go back at him on what Charles was talking about. And Charles is not the only one that said, "Hey, yeah. don't go through the media," <laughs> right? I mean, KG Sheed, uh, even over on ESPN, I think Billups and. Um, Who's on there with them? Jalen. I mean, they say similar things about yeah, going be, through the media. But nobody, if a tree falls in the woods, well, that's what I'm saying. and there's no, and there are no NBA players yeah. to hear the criticisms. Okay, um, I bet you. I'll tell you one thing. Oh. I they, these guys are old hat. I think. Uh, I think Charles Barkley probably wears wired headphones, not like these young kids in the NBA. <laughs> oh, time for one last thing. We got we got a picture of uh, this was that's it. in Portland. Roy Hibbert wearing your AirPods now, there. He has one. We can see one. Do you think uh-huh. he has the other one in? Because you can take he's one. He's already out lost it. And you can talk. He's right? already lost well, it. Roy is a different guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he had one. But I heard if you have one out, you can it, it, it stops music. it right, and you can talk. Yeah, that's too much technology for me. Oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on those. I just want the regular. You ordered get rid of them. These wires. You ordered I, them four years ago. I'm so not I, yeah, them. I bet you are ready <laughs> not to get your, them. your hands on. That's them. my first. I haven't seen them in the wild yet. Have you guys? I have. A have guy you? I work with has them. He loves them. Of course he does. He loves them. Yeah, I saw. No, I saw a guy on the street with AirPods, and he he started walking on the side of a building. Yeah, and then he did like a twirl. Yeah, and then that's a different mode. Though. It was cool. That's an upgrade. <laughs> that's if you. That's if you. That's sh- a software. That's if you shove them so far into your head that it. Touches your brain, and you were just like, mm, and you kids become today. a superhuman. Yeah. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging around with us here on Locked On Hornets Live, and thanks so much to Oliver Maroney. Uh, follow him on Twitter, O Maroney NBA. Uh, such a such a, a great interview. Uh, and if you missed any of it, 
Uh, it will archive here on YouTube, and we will put it in podcast mode uh, tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet on iTunes, Locked On Hornets. And, of course, thanks to our wonderful crew, Captain Kurt, Calamity James, and Zach on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Until then, go Hornets, go America, beat the Blazers. Let's swarm Charlotte.